Welcome to the Artist Podlight Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Martinez, and I'm joined here today by my co-hosts, Sydney George. Hello. Tim Jungren. Good morning. And on the phone from St. Louis, Marnie Birmingham. Hi there. Today we are shining our podlight on Montana artist Tom Gillian. Tom, thanks for being here with us today. We're thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Tom, you've had a varied and interesting life and career trajectory. Walk us through your background and how you've connected the dots. Well, what a loaded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Boy, where do I even start? Um, Beginning with the Navy, I suppose, um, I was still doing a lot of uh, my own personal sketching and drawing while I was in the Navy. I got out, um, got a job at Cape Kennedy working... um, for this space, you know, it was a new program where we were going to go, actually go to the moon. This was a long, long time ago. Um, worked for there for quite a while, then uh, moved to New York, upstate New York, for a computer company. Moved back to Florida, started my own uh, studio in Orlando, uh, working for advertising agencies, and mostly, that they were mostly my customers. And then we heard this rumor about Roy Rogers was going to buy some property and build a little museum. As it turns out, it was Disney buying, <laughs> buying all the Central Florida property before anyone could find out it was actually Disney. So um, as it turned out, I was one of three studios in Orlando when Disney desperately needed artists. So right time, right place. And, like they say, better to be lucky than to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so how did it come to be that you first started working with Walt Disney, and how has that experience influenced your later work? Um, it, it was, oddly enough, it was not as, um, it wasn't as good a situation as a lot of people might think. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I, like I say, I was one of three studios, and they really, they absorbed every minute plus of, of artists. Um, so it just took all of my time, took me away from my uh, customers that I developed, and pretty much just absorbed all of my time. Um, and then they were not the, they were great at giving out work, they were not the best at paying, so they it would be stalled. and So it was not a good situation. And finally they just Uh, offered me a job and they offered way too little Mm -hmm. so on the third offer uh, they got it right and I took a job working directly for the company and shortly um, less than a year later uh, one of the California executives came by and wanted to know if I would move to California and work on the design of Epcot and that's how I transferred to California and from Florida and started working on Epcot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell so, us some more about your early life. I know you were um, involved in baseball. You came from a team of athletes and you ended up um, being recruited. Baseball, um, in a way, was a, a, just an offshoot of... Um, I grew up with my grandparents, my uh, sister had contact polio and so they I went to live with my grandparents and very very rural not even not even electricity at the time it was lanterns at night <clears throat> so I didn't I, I didn't grow up with a lot of people that uh, that uh, no kids at all but um, I, not many other people um, the entertainment for me was my grandfather uh, just drawing. And you would draw pictures and tell me about here's a ship I came over on, here's uh, a shark, this is what a whale looks like. Um, I grew up uh, really thinking that that's the way all people did, I, that everybody drew. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was an, uh, an Indian and she took me around and showed me all kinds of um, all kinds of ways to make a living if you uh, Survival, basically survival, how to survive. Um, and fortunately, there was a railroad track not too far away where uh, they had a lot of rocks. And so 
a lot of my day was spent throwing rocks. So, so <laughs> wow. And, um, and, and that's how I developed an arm, I suppose. Wow. You know, so uh, when I was in high school, I was playing baseball and, and um, I got an offer to a scholarship to the University of Florida for, in, in pitching. Um, I couldn't throw a baseball across the room now. <laughs> my, arm, my arm hurts so bad. But that's how it. Uh, that's how it developed. What a story. Uh, so sports. Actually, I think this would be a good time for me to ask mm. my question. I know, you know Tom, you, you you told us uh, before the podcast that you're a Chicago Cubs fan. We're doing. Yeah, thank you, Marty. Uh, we're we're doing this podcast on uh, November first, two thousand seventeen. Game seven of the World Series. Uh, who are you going for tonight? Astros or Dodgers? I don't like either one. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. So, good answer. Good answer on that. I'll probably be doing work in this studio. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I, I, my hopes were dashed when the Cubs mm. didn't, yep. didn't advance. Mm. Wasn't but there at least last year was fantastic. Oh, it was great. It was a great that series. Was, was, oh my gosh! To me, uh, really, uh, last year, I, I don't need to see baseball from now on. That was yep. the epitome. Yep. You're good. You're good we, to go. Yeah. Yeah. We finally did it. Yeah, 108 years. It's it's good. You're good. You're good <laughs> yeah. to go. So. And what did you study in school, and then what was your transition to NASA after that? Um, well, the only thing. To get the scholarship, the only program available was architecture. Um, and as I like to say, um, that my career in college was the longest two weeks of my life. <laughs> I, I actually never suited up in game uniform. I, I played one summer with the Dodgers farm team. Never suited up uh, for the University of Florida, joined the Navy, walked away from the scholarship. And, mm. and it was a brilliant, brilliant mistake. Uh, I, I, uh, I never look back as that as a mistake. It's, yeah. It was the right move, although I was dumb to have done it. Mm. It seemed to have worked out for you. <laughs> it's yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes making a bad mistake really works yeah. out it well. And in yeah. this case, I would have been a horrible architect. Yeah. Mm. So what prompted you to move to Montana, and how has the environment here influenced your career and your work? The time when we were working on Epcot, um, the design phase is where I, I worked. Um, but as soon as it's designed and it's actually being built, then uh, that's out of our hands and we have nothing more to do with it. A little bit of arm-waving art direction uh, occasionally, but for the most part, uh, my job was over on Epcot, and things got really slow at uh, Disney Imagineering. So, um, my wife Lori and I um, came up on a workshop, went out to the Diamond Bar X, um, Dude Ranch out by Augusta in, the, in January, um, two feet of snow, 20 below, and I spent a week uh, working with, um, I think we had around 20 artists, um, and while we were there, we walked around a little, quite a bit and asked if any property was for sale, and while we were there, we bought the property on the Dearborn River, under snow, and, but oh it was so God. beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, uh, went home, um, went back to California, started selling all of our property, and made the big move. Wow. We, we were warned by everybody that we would never make it, we'd be back, and mm. And that may be the case, but so far it's worked out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been about 35 years now. Yeah, wow. this is for you, Tom. That's kind of the dream come true to live in Montana, but be able to telecommute and keep your career going. It is really. I, uh, we thought well, we had so much money. We thought uh, well, this is it. We've made it. <laughs> well, six months later, we were back working in, in Hollywood. Uh, money goes really fast when you're building, you know? <laughs> and, and that's been that way ever since. Uh, 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 one of the funny, funny little things that happened was there was a big um, 
design project in, at Disney to redo Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland at Disneyland was so outdated, so the big push was to come up with a new Tomorrowland, a futuristic Tomorrowland. And the I was there, actually, I saw the, the presentation, and it was um, uh, Eisner had uh, had set up a meeting. He came in to see the presentation. Well, the paintings were and drawings were of uh, smoky glass and steel and polished and very futuristic, what everybody thought it was going to be. And he looked at it for a while and he said, "That's not the future. The future is Montana." Oh. And everything just went deathly quiet. <laughs> wow. And, and as I understand, wow. there was this stampede to the. Uh, IRS, the uh, research library at Disney, asking for anything, that, everything they had on Montana. So it was like this stampede to find out what was Montana. Mm -hmm. And also I heard someone said, didn't Tom Gillian move to Montana? <laughs> so instantly getting all of these panicky phone calls about oh, what, wow. would I be willing to work on Tomorrowland. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Talk about serendipity. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, there I, I start right then uh, with fax, phone, and FedEx. I started dealing with uh, Disney California from my home out in the mountains of Montana. And now, uh, now that we bought the ranch, it's even better because it's a computer. So, mm -hmm. so I can work in the middle of a cattle ranch all over the world. I, I just worked with Shanghai, China. On the that is amazing. Land. That is amazing what we can do nowadays. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's just beginning. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. So do you consider yourself a contemporary Western artist or is that label too limiting in its definition and scope? I'm not sure if, if you said contemporary to ten people, you, there would be ten. There, I think I think there'd be ten different ideas or versions of what contemporary means. I, um, I'm contemporary because I'm still alive, you know, and, and I'm still working. Um, but as far uh, sometimes when you talk about contemporary, you're actually saying modern or futuristic or abstract so I'm not sure how that falls into mm -hmm. that category um, I'm, I'm I don't consider myself to be a traditionalist I, I, I think I push uh, I, I push areas that haven't been pushed before <laughs> for and sure I, and I <laughs> make a point of if, if there's any way on earth to break a rule I will so, <laughs> I love that. You mentioned that you have some Native American ancestry. Your grandmother was um, Native American. Cherokee. Cherokee. Mm -hmm. How has Native American history and culture influenced your work? Well, um, just visually, it's the most um, dramatic and most uh, pleasing to my eye uh, of all art, uh, of subjects. Um, there's nothing stronger than a good beadwork pattern, uh, to, to me. Um, my grandmother had a way of, uh, a, a different way of looking at life, and um, she influenced me in the, in the thoughts that don't let it, uh, don't depend on anybody. Um, and basically, she was saying, don't depend on anybody, especially me. And, and that's how she treated me. Uh, what, if you need something, you do it. You got it. Um, so um, I, I guess that's how it, uh, I was influenced by Native American. But I have so many friends here, and, and I, I just love their color, their use of color. Their, um, uh, I almost think of, of it as innocence, but it's beyond innocence. It's uh, more of a purity of thought than, than naive. So what do your iconic teepee motifs symbolize in your work? The motifs themselves, the, the drawings on the, you mean the drawings on the outside of the lodge themselves? All or, of it, the whole. Or, um, I think you, may, you might mean the, the uh, basic square shape of the triangle and the um, circle. Um, 
I'm not sure. I can tell you how it all started, if, if you want to hear that, and then uh, I've come up with all of these, uh, what I call, they're, they're, um, um, they just, um, they try to explain something that I did intuitively, that I tried to explain it, but um, I had a, um, I had a working relationship with Disney, uh, Imagineering, and they would send groups of people up and I would spend a week with them going painting, drawing, and just helping them um, develop their drawing and painting skills. Um, that was under, it was just a retainer, so I got paid whether they used me or not. And one week in the middle of winter, I think it was, um, I had nothing to do, so I just had a canvas stretched, um, it happened to be a square canvas. And I put it on the easel and just painted my teepee, thinking um, uh, it took me like three or four days just to, because it was playtime for me. I was getting paid, but it was still playtime. Um, I was thinking, well, this is a waste of paint and canvas because nobody in their right mind is going to want a painting of a teepee. As it turns out, I took it to a gallery and the owner of uh, Moonlight Basin Lodge bought it and stuck it and uh, hung it in the uh, dining area. Mm -hmm. And almost instantly he kept, he started getting requests to buy it and was it for sale and no. And then pretty soon he put a price on it that he said nobody would ever, well it sold. And then I got commissions. Wow. And uh, so that's how that started. I, I, I was just uh, awed at the fact that it actually sold in the first place and then and for that much money and then um, I, I, I don't know I, I guess I got busy with Disney and, and but then I kept getting all these requests from the gallery could you do would you do another painting like that and, and well that's six months is this is going to be good for six months maybe and then it's over well it's been I don't know, 12 years now, <laughs> and it's, it's increased, you know, it's, uh, the demand has gotten bigger. So as the backstory goes, you know, what I was trying to say is the backstory uh, in Disney, we'd do a painting and then we'd create a story to, to fit why that painting worked. So the backstory on this was, I say, I analyzed it as it's a square. Um, um, most of the paintings turn out to be a square, which it to me is like uh, justice, honesty, a square deal. And then within that is a triangle, and then I usually try it within that, a circle. And I do the horizon always straight and level so you feel secure. And the triangle to me comes up with the, the intrigue, the eternal triangle or the, or the conflict. Um, and most of the time I try to stick to uh, primary colors, primary shapes and primary colors. Okay. So you've been described by curators as a brilliant colorist and actually when I look at your teepee paintings I was reminded of Mark Rothko's color field paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, what first inspired you to use the color in those unique ways? Uh, just strictly intuition. I've studied uh, a lot of color theories and, and there's, it's a surprising how many varieties of theories there are and, and I, can't, I can't say they're wrong, I can't say they're right, uh, but basically I just skip it. I just I paint by intuition and if, if, it's, if it feels right to me it's my color scheme and if it, and if it feels right and looks right, then I'll try to develop some type of a theory to fit that. <laughs> In addition to the teepees, you're very well known for your nine panel grid paintings. Um, describe the inspiration for those works and what you want to communicate to the viewer. Um, okay, um, I'll give you the real story and then maybe I can, uh, at the end, maybe I can show you the, the uh, marketing story but the real story the real story was I was working with a dot-com company uh, this was during the dot-com 
and, and I'm, it was actually in pretty much in the beginning of my uh, using computer in my art. Um, uh, it was a little bit of a learning curve for me, but the uh, the dot com company uh, was actually specializing in developing online presence for um, celebrities. Uh, Brad Pitt was one I worked with, but the the one that um, really got me focused was Heidi Klum. She was a, a, a model years ago. Um, and my assignment was to try to develop um, a way to put these celebrities into fine art. Well, Heidi uh, was my assignment, and I thought Andy Warhol would have to be the perfect solution for Heidi Klum. So I developed um, a, a format where I would uh, take all of her photographs that she's used and tried to do it in a Andy Warhol mm -hmm. style, and um, that really went over well. She loved it, uh, and I got to looking at it more and more, and I said, thinking, well, if it worked with her, imagine what it would be like with Native Americans. And I started collecting a lot of good photographs of Native Americans, mm -hmm. and that's where the first nine panel came from, and. Somehow along the way, uh, I was I was unaware of it, but another artist uh, in Montana had done another painting. Uh, he had, it was I don't know it was like many 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 different little faces in a painting, and, and he just got absolutely irate that I was copying. <laughs> I'd never even seen the painting, didn't know about it, but he got so irate that he walked out of the gallery and said, "It's either." Either you get rid of Gillian or I walk, and the gallery owner said, well, have a nice life. <laughs> and so um, this gallery owner started selling my work really well. In fact, he told me, um, if you go, if you just stop doing the Disney work and start painting for me, I'll guarantee you I'll, you'll make more than at Disney. And I, I thought he was crazy, but uh, actually he did. <laughs> wow. You've had one-man exhibitions in Atlanta and the Let Icons Be Icons exhibition at the Russell Museum in Great Falls, Montana. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had others. What was it like to do those solo respective museum shows for the first time? The first one was in the Booth Museum in, uh, just north of Atlanta. Um, and and that, that was a very strange... I, I had no idea there would be a Western Art Museum in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but when I got there, it was, it was amazing. It's a huge museum, beautifully done. Um, they bought uh, they bought several of my originals and then asked me to do a show, and that was that, that was an eye opener um, to collect that many because I couldn't possibly paint that many. We had to borrow paintings from owners, and then they had to be shipped to. To the museum, and the in, the insurance company would only insure it if the driver the driver was not allowed to leave the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So they had to have two people drive yeah. around clock. So uh, there was so much money in that one van that um, the drivers couldn't leave the vehicle on unmanned. <clears throat> the the one uh, the follow up was for the Russell Museum here. That actually, but that was very, very fun to work with. Mm. You were there at the, yes, at the time, I and, um, and working with Sarah, mm -hmm. and um, bless her heart, she, mm. she, I know now why they really prefer the artist be dead when they put on the show, because <laughs> I was, <clears throat> I was a lot of help with, no. that, mm -hmm. I was a lot of help that maybe they didn't really want, but, mm. but it was, that was a, a, a great, great. Time for me. I, I loved every minute of it. Mm -hmm. Exciting time for the museum as well to have your show there. That was that was probably that, I would say that's one of the highlights of my career. Mm -hmm. Well, Tom, we had the fortune of you showing us what you've done since Hungry Fox Equinox, but I've always been intrigued by how that came to be and what 
your idea was originally that led to you producing such an interesting, innovative piece. Can you tell us about oh, that? We're talking about the uh, digital, right. uh, digital painting installation. Um, at, at, during the time when I was describing uh, where I just really was starting to work with the computer, mm -hmm. <clears throat> with the nine panels, I was also uh, doing, uh, like we said, the, uh, the Native American, the faces. Uh, but I, uh, and I, I guess the real follow-up was when so much interest was given to the teepee, mm -hmm. um, I started doing little paintings on the computer of, of teepee and then um, changing the lighting on them. So it would be one painting and then I duplicate the image and then do uh, lighting so that it I was uh, I was trying to trying to make it appear as though the natural daylight from from dark to uh, light back to dark and I I, <clears throat> I have it I, I still have the little uh, the first little um, drawing I did on the computer I, and it, I think it was like 10 very very crude um, drawings of a com of a teepee on mm -hmm. the computer, and I physically myself overlaid them into layers, and was and with a slider, I was able to okay. simulate okay. Uh, the the passing of the day, and then <clears throat> with that, um, uh, you remember Marshall Monroe? Yes, uh, Marshall Monroe. Uh, we've worked on projects ever since um, way back in the Epcot days. And I was showing him uh, the little teepee thing, and he just got fascinated with it. And I said, uh, what I would really love to do is to see if we could maybe do a big painting, but mm -hmm. have it on a computer computer screen. And he said, well, when do you want to get started? <laughs> so, uh, oh that, my God. That's how it got okay. started. So the very first one was pretty, um, pretty low. Low tech. Uh, I don't know if you remember it or not, but it was. I do. With it didn't moon. appear to be low tech at all. It was. <clears throat> it was compared very groundbreaking. To, compared to the where last you are one, now, right, of course. Where we are now is pretty low key, but it was fascinating to everybody that was in the museum. Remember the show, all of my big canvases. Yes. But the crowd was back with the with the with the painting that right. moved. Um, so that's how it started, and then we've developed uh, just uh, every year, it just seems to just accelerate. Um, we're working on, uh, right at the moment, we're working on, well, actually, we aren't, I am. <laughs> we're working on uh, paintings of the Taos Church, um, and that's going to be uh, um, like. It starts uh, in early in the morning and mm -hmm. goes all the way uh, till the evening. So the mm -hmm. shadows that on that church, you're, you're familiar with the shapes. Mm -hmm. The shadows are uh, unbelievable mm -hmm. uh, abstract painting. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm working on. So it'll be one painting one day, but the shadows and, and nothing else. Where will we be able to see that? Um, hopefully uh, uh, in Yellowstone Club. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Can you get us an invitation? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have to know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bill Gates. <laughs> oh no! What what is the guy's name? Uh, uh, Burns. Uh, Sam Burns. He, he's a guy. He's in love with it. And, oh, good. So I, I think uh, maybe Sam Burns. He could get you. In, he could get you in anywhere. All right. Let's get, let's get a hold of Sam Burns. You know. Well, it's so. exciting to hear how that's evolved and developed over time. Yeah. Congratulations to well, you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I was wondering, uh, Tom, just sort of a segue. What is it like to uh, do pieces for others that are commissioned? Um, was that sort of a hard thing to get used to, or do they, people actually have input into when you are creating, or does that come in later or before you would start a piece that's commissioned for a person or a museum? Uh, are you talking about the digital or the regular canvas? Either. Either. Um, I hate commissions. <laughs> I, I I, every artist I've ever talked to said it's just commission. it's awful. So I was just wondering. Um, in fact, I don't do commissions unless 
uh, it's with my um, stipulation that I'll I'll see what what they're interested in, and um, as much as possible, I'll I'll work with their with the content that they want. But I have to do the painting so that if they don't like it, I don't care. Uh, right, exactly. I'll, it'll 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 go to the gallery, or mm -hmm. I'll I'll find a home for it. So mm -hmm. that's the only that's as near to a commission as I will do. Uh, I'm, uh -huh. I'm too old. <laughs> um, and do you, you said you live on a cattle ranch? Um, do you you I assume you have a studio right there? Is it part of your home, or do you intentionally separate sort of home and work life? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, for twenty five years, uh, um, our home, the third floor, was my studio, Ooh. and 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 it was a very comfortable studio, and it's nice to be able to go to work without. You know, uh, in your pajamas. <laughs> that was good, but uh, in in retrospect, thinking back, I really never knew if I was working or if I was not working. It was always there was no separation. So mm -hmm. two years ago, uh, we built a studio just outside the house. So it's it's a it's it's almost um, fifty feet walk to the studio. Mm -hmm. So, but mm -hmm. I do know, I know immediately if I'm working or if I'm not working, just by that separation. Uh -huh. And that was um, such a major change, uh, I don't know why we didn't realize it. But, but I, but <laughs> Does Lori paint in there too, or is it just your space? We have, uh, it's, it's designed where there's um, three workspaces, um, hers, and then we have a common uh, space for um, stretching canvas and that sort of thing, and then uh, my studio, and they're separated mm -hmm. by soundproof and bulletproof walls. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question uh, oh, about: God. Do you prefer to uh, do you work in silence, or do you have what's the Tom Gillian soundtrack? Do you have the radio on, music, or do you prefer to work in silence? Um, it depends on what I'm working. If if, mm -hmm. it's, if it's something where uh, requires a lot of thinking. I can't have any sound. If it's uh, after I've done the thinking part and begin the painting part, I, I love. Uh, I, I, I listen to music, but most of all, I, I uh, do books, mm -hmm. uh, audio books. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. So oh, that's I, great. I'm, I'm a very and, um, well-read person <laughs> that hardly ever reads. <laughs> <laughs> And when you travel, do you go visit other artists' studios? Or do you go to art museums or galleries when you travel? Uh, I try to avoid galleries. Um, I, I love museums, uh, but I pick the museum that I want to see. And rarely mm -hmm. ever would I go into another person's studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was just wondering if you were showing your work in a gallery and you could have any person walk in and talk to you about art, who would that be? Like, living, who inspires you? Living or, or, or not? Li living or not. Um, this is going to, I'm not sure, are you guys... Have, you can do a living and a not living. Do you have, a, do you have an edited where you can cut? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I won't, I won't give you a reason why, uh, but I'll tell you who I would love to come in uh, to my gallery and ask me questions, and that would be uh, President Trump. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. And I, I'll, you can cut anything you want, but I, uh, it would be intriguing to me to hear the questions that he would ask. I'm not going to cut that. That stays in on that. I like that. I like that. So, um, uh, well, I, I, I just, um, I, I know that it would be off the wall questions that you cannot anticipate, and I would love to hear them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so would I. Great. <laughs> that is great. And do you have, um, when you meet aspiring artists? Um, do you, how do you encourage them to find their own creative path? Um, do you suggest people go to art school or just keep, keep drawing like you did? I mean, you had such an interesting trajectory, as Anne said. How do you inspire young uh, artists? 
Uh, actually, I teach um, I teach quite a bit all over the world, but there it's on the computer. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, anyone that I know that um, has asked for help, uh, all they have to do is send me a painting. Uh, I'll just tell them what I think. Uh, that's I, I great. Think that's, I think yeah. that's incredible. Um, what because and it's not I'm not it isn't because I'm altruistic. It's not because I'm such a good guy. It's because I learn so much from uh, from I've always learned from my students and and um, anytime someone can give me an honest uh, intelligent question about their work it's amazing how much I learn just from just from that so um, I never turn anyone down uh, if they're asking for help on, on, on painting techniques mm -hmm. so, as far as creativity um, I don't uh, I actually don't think there's, there is, uh, we can't um, separate people um, that way by you're creative or you're not creative. We're all creative. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been a child, then you're creative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. It's just that we've... Well, uh, I was telling the group that I was lucky enough to visit the Anderson Ranch in Colorado this summer. And a lot of the people there, they're not necessarily full-time artists, but they apply for grants. And then uh, they do their work for short periods of time. And there are so many people that are fulfilling their creative instincts and curiosity and learning from each other just by just by seeing what other people are doing. Um, would you encourage people to do sort of those kind of workshops or go to artist colonies? You know, I, I would actually have to see it and, and experience it myself before I really know mm -hmm. how to answer that. Um, but uh, again, if if you've ever been a child, then you're creative. And if you think that you're not creative, uh, it's just because you've let dust cover that up. You just need to dust that off and just try your uh, do your best to be the child again. You know, as far as being inquisitive and um, my my whole uh, philosophy in life, really, as an artist, is that someday I want to be as good as I was when I was four. You know, exactly. To be, to be the real artist that I was then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I probably won't make it, but I'm trying. <laughs> That's amazing advice, Tom. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, and like you said, Tom, I think, you know, what you said about just now about we're all born creative, you know, and we, we, we all have those natural instincts inbred in us the minute we're, we, we get into this world. And then yeah. I, I remember this quote once that saying, you know, we're all artists and then someone takes away your crayons, you know, mm -hmm. and then you've got to find a way to get those crayons That's back. Sad, and, That's yeah. sad, uh, you're, you're taught that you, you're not an artist. And, and that's, yeah. that's, like I was, like I say, I was, it was out of ignorance because I thought everybody was an artist because sure. I just didn't. I wasn't exposed to anybody that wasn't. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and having the fortune of growing up in that atmosphere obviously influenced you to say, well, you know, this is how life is lived. This is, this is yeah, what we do. Yeah, there was no, uh, I mean, that's how humans were. My, uh, uh, my grandparents, um, uh, they, instead of lawn, they, they brought in white builders' beach sand. So it was, oh geez, the, yeah. the whole yard was white sand. So I grew up with this wow. with this drawing. I drew for hours and hours and hours and, and with a with a stick. Uh -huh. it, was, mm -hmm. it was like a whole canvas out there waiting for you every to come day. Out. Every day, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Rained, so it was rain. It was uh, a new canvas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I remember never ever making a mistake that I had to erase ever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's just how I approach things um, uh, in, in that drawing style. Is uh, it, gosh, I hope someday I can be as good as I was <laughs> back when you were yeah back at that age. Absolutely. Never ever make a mistake. Yeah, and just to go out for for the joy of it. Just just to be be in yeah. that moment where time just seems to stop. And, yeah. And I remember doing the drawings, and I was creating a narrative that went with them. You yeah. Know? So I was I was writing. I, you know, I was, I was a writer at that time too. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I was creating, and as uh, was writing and illustrating a book 
or, or whatever mm. during that time. And, and like I say, I, I had no idea other people did anything different. What did you write about? Oh, well, there's the part where we need to clip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What a wonderful way to grow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, um, yeah, it, it was. Um, it, it was. It's a storybook now, looking back at it. Uh, at the time, I don't think anybody really thought it was, it was a great story. Right. Mm. Tom, you mentioned, you know, the facets of, of intuition and, and self-reliance being so important for you. How would you advise any artist of any age to, to develop those traits or those qualities in themselves? Um, that's, that's a good question. Really, really tough. Because <clears throat> as you know, the art world now is not, um, uh, not that good. Um, we, we don't have the Pope commissioning ceilings anymore yeah. and, and yeah. money is really scarce. Um, I'm really, really fortunate that my work sells and, and there's a great deal of uh, uh, absolute fantastic artists that are not, um, they're not making it on their art. They, sure. have, they yeah. have to do other things. Um, uh, the only thing I can say is uh, don't ever let the financial part get in the way of your of the integrity of your art, right? And how to get around that? I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think I would. I would um, myself, if I had to, I would probably stretch barbed wire, and I would work on a ranch. I would do anything so that I wouldn't have to do something that some gallery says. Well, if you paint red rocks in Sedona, if that's all you, we're yeah. just going to have you paint red rocks. You can make money at it, but You've killed your art. You've killed your um, um, the artistic soul. Yeah, I was actually told that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We love your uh, diversity. We love the way you create different things. But we're going to have you paint red rocks, and we'll make a lot of money. Yeah, and that's something that is like, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do that. I, so. Yeah. Well, and it's. I'm kind of liking that to to artists finding their 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 inner voice, their true voice that kind of guides them, you know, into the next project or, or whatever uh, whatever genre they're, they're they're working in. When it when has that voice always been with you, or did you discover that? I mean, later on, or is it just something that's has always been a part of you? Yeah, I think it's just just the makeup of the person sure uh, and 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 the words that you use the phrase that you use to describe it uh, that's impressive sounding but i think it's just basically sure the way you think you know it's just your being right um, um, and and again everyone in this room and 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 even in st louis <laughs> are you we're all artists I we mean, are I mean, yeah. really the the difference between any of us is just the amount of physical skill of applying color. That's right. the only difference between us because we all have the same vision, we all have the same interests. We have <clears throat> a story to tell. Um, it's just who can put it onto paper or canvas, right? right? And right. that's skill that can be taught to everyone. So it's it, uh, I I really hesitate to have. People say that you're uh, you're an artist and I'm not an artist mm -hmm. because that's wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just I've spent a lot of time mm -hmm. drawing and, and 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 creating my own color schemes, uh, sure. whereas you've done other things. But you could do it. Every everybody can and everybody should. I think I yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I yeah. really agree. Uh, I think it's just like I said before. I think it's just inbred within all of us and that we just kind of lose it along the way. And, and the miracle, for me at least, is finding it again and then working with it as, as right. you go along on that. So. Right. And, and, and I know each one of you have done it. You, you've yeah. a blank piece of paper, a canvas, and put color on it, and the thrill you get, mm. that oh. never goes away. Ever. No, no. For me, it's yeah. just like I cannot stand it. I go into an art supply <laughs> store and I'm, I'm just mesmerized looking at it. Yeah. I, I remember as a little kid not going to candy. I'd skip right by the candy <laughs> and I'd go right for the paint. Art supplies, the paint. Yeah. I yeah. love that smell. I, just, yeah. I, I was, uh, it was.
was just like I was drunk <laughs> on, on the smell of art supplies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That that's how it is. So. Irresistible. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Uh, you're just like a moth to a flame. Yeah. Yeah, you're just drawn to it. Just and we're all, uh, and I, I can't say it enough, we all are like that. And we can, yeah. everybody can do it. Yeah. You've, you've either told yourself or someone else has told you that you can't. Yeah. What, what, do, what do you think the artist's role should be in society? Um, to help others, okay. you know, to, um, and, 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 and I mean that in completely outside of paint, sure, sculpting. I mean, just, yeah. uh, I, I think it's um, to help others and for us it's to leave that ranch so much better than when we found it. Mm -hmm. we, we say we own the ranch. We don't. The ranch owns us. And the ranch is going to be there when we're not. And so I feel like uh, not just our ranch, but the earth. We should do what we can to make the earth better when we leave it. Um, and friends, and it doesn't even have to be friends. Just help people that need help. But then, after, the, after you've done that, yeah. um, then I, I like to uh, to think about it as someday someday in the future someone will look at what I did, and they'll wonder why why was this, what was he thinking, and maybe I uh, maybe I've told them a story, or maybe I've pointed out to something that they need to think about. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I that's the only thing I can think of. It's good enough. If yeah. you look at Russell, he told us all kinds of things, all kinds of things that. After he was gone, we look at it now and say, oh, that's what he meant. Um, maybe yeah. at the time he probably couldn't tell us. Mm. Yeah. Or, or at least at that time they weren't listening. You, you made just an interesting comment just then about, you know, you don't own the ranch, the ranch owns you. You kind of feel that way about your art too, that you, you don't do art. Art actually forms you, does you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, and this is a dirty little secret that... It's not a dirty secret. It's, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a secret. I believe I've erased all of those. Okay. Um, it's a secret. I have a stash in my studio of paintings that won't, will, they'll, they won't be seen until after I'm gone. Um, so it's, uh, it, they have nothing to do with what galleries expect me to be producing, they have nothing to do with uh, what people think of my work as being. Um, museums would not would not recognize them. Right. But um, there's there's a collection of paintings <laughs> that someday someday will be there. And that's what I, <clears throat> whenever I get into a, a funk where um, politics, I, I just I walk out the door and swear to never turn the TV on that ever yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> I go and I'll do a, a little painting. Most of them are small, mm -hmm. uh, easy to hide. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but uh, hopefully you guys will be uh, uh, there for the opening. I'm looking forward. I, I'm first in line. I've got to see this. We hate to wish for your demise. No, no, no. We don't want that to happen. So we, can we can wait. Uh, and I know you. Pushing for that? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all, not at all. And but, you know, but that's an art yeah. that uh, is totally me. Yeah, exactly. And and it's 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 a time capsule. Yeah. So. Yeah. But don't you think you need that as an artist? You need that stash. You need that in, in, in the back room there. Absolutely. To kind of remind you why you're doing this in the first place. I'm astonished that other artists don't do yeah. it or didn't do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. astonished. Because that's the only way I feel like I can be totally me. Yeah, you, real. Mm -hmm. The real yeah. Tom Gilliam. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, without hurting um, the prices on, on, <laughs> on other work. Exactly, exactly. And that's, it's a weird thing, but you do have to protect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of almost like protecting your integrity almost in, in a roundabout way. It is. It's, it's uh, putting it in a space capsule and... Yeah. and, and setting it aside.
it's like saying, oh, well, this is what I really think about this. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll find out later. It's almost like a writer with a, a nom de plume. They, they're yeah. not going to tell you right now what they say, but they're, they're right under an assumed name for a little bit, stash it away. <laughs> yeah, Mark Twain. But you, you, um, I think you have to do that just so that, um, so that you know that someday in the future they'll know the real you and it's too late for them to do anything to you about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You get the last laugh. You get the last laugh on that one, yeah. So, Finally, for me, Tom, what's the best artistic or creative advice you ever received? From my grandfather, and uh, this is going to sound strange to you, my grandfather said, the secret to painting is to start at the top and work your way down so you don't get stuff all over you. <laughs> <laughs> that is great advice. Practical wisdom. That is yep. practical, great advice. I've right never there. received better advice ever. <laughs> and at this point, neither have I. Right there. So, thank Aww. you. Oh my gosh. Tom, you've been masterful at reinventing yourself throughout your life, and we're just interested in what's next. Reinventing myself has been a necessity all <laughs> my life. You've done a good yeah. job of it. <laughs> uh, what's next? Um, you know, I I don't I really don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be something to do uh, in pursuit of the digital. Uh -huh. I think that's where it probably will go. And I hate to think that. Um, Someday in the future, there won't be oil paint on canvas because there's nothing that smells better right. than yeah. that. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost like uh, someday in the future, you'll have a pill and you don't get the smell of the bread. Food. Um, yeah. But I, I really believe there's something in this digital mm -hmm. um, that is going to go so far beyond anything that we know now. Because mm -hmm. I just get glimpses of it every now and then that what you what we could actually do. Mm -hmm. um, um, it's probably going to be in that in that area, and, and I, I honestly don't know what it'll be. It'll, it'll just tell me as it comes. Well, it's exciting to see what yeah. you're working oh, on. Oh, absolutely! Thank you for sharing that glimpse of that piece with us. That was a treat sure. to see that. Sure. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. We really enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Artist Podlight podcast dedicated to honoring both artists and the creative process. Today, we cast our podlight on the world-renowned artist Tom Gillian. To find out more about Tom, go to www.tomgillian.com. That's www.tomgilleon.com and visit www.theartistspodlightpodcast.com to check out who's talking with us now.